Alrighty. <clears throat> so we are in chapter 9 in your books. It's page 85. We are on article 6 of the Baptist Faith and Message. It's called The Church. Um, and, and so the goal of, of this is to establish, um, and, and, and again, it doesn't drill down into the super specific areas because you shouldn't, just to establish a biblical framework for what the church actually is. Um, we know already going in that it's not the building, uh, that it's the people, but what, what are those people? How are they supposed to live with each other? What is their mission? Why are we here? Those sorts of questions, um, that's what we hope to answer uh, tonight with this study. <clears throat> and so I'm going to read you the article. It says, A New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers. So I'm going to stop right there and just say that is one of the most Baptist sentences that you could make. There are local autonomous churches that aren't Baptist, um, but we did it first. Um, I think the Baptists did it before there were other local autonomous churches. Um, you may or may not know from the Catholic Church, but there is a hierarchy there. You know, there is the, the Pope. He is the bishop of the church at Rome, and it goes to cardinals, and it goes to bishops, and it goes to abbots, and it goes to all these other things, and that is a hierarchy. And so if you are a church member of a Catholic church and you talk to your priest, well, he answers to somebody. And then the person he talks to answers to somebody right up, right up the, the, the line. And so that is one way, that's a hierarchical way of doing it. Baptists do not believe that's the, the pattern that God left us. <coughs> and so when you had the Protestant Reformation, um, you, you had, we'll say three kind of wings of the Protestant Reformation. Um, and, but all of those wings continued to have hierarchical rule within the churches. So Martin Luther, the Lutheran church, there is a hierarchy there. There is established order. When you have Presbyterian, there is a hierarchy there. There is established order. You have the Anglican, so the English church. That was Henry VIII, and that was for a whole different reason, but it, they still get their little day in the sun with the Protestant Reformation. That's the Anglican church, and it was, it's just the Catholic Church West. That's all it really is. It is established as a, almost a copy or a duality of the the Catholic Church, but they're in, they're in charge instead of the Pope. So what happened is from the Anglican Church, you had, they called them dissenters, uh, people that didn't agree with the way that the Anglican Church was being ran. And so among those dissenters were people that they considered harmless and people that they considered very dangerous. The Anabaptists were the very dangerous people. Now, the Anabaptists were people that believed you had to be rebaptized. So if you were baptized as an infant, whether it be in um, well, pretty much all of those churches, uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, Reformed church, Protestant churches baptized infants, and of course the Catholic Church baptized infants, the Anabaptists believed that you had to be baptized as an adult. Well, among the Anabaptists arose a group that we would identify as ancestors of Baptist theology. 
Um, it wouldn't be Southern Baptist until the, the 1800s. Um, but they would, Anabaptists would travel over to America just like many of the other groups did. They had churches. Um, they, were, they were considered outcasts from the Puritans. So, so in New England, you had a lot of Puritan churches. And those were, uh, they were hierarchical, not to the degree that, say, a Catholic church would be, but they had hierarchy. Um, but they were very strict. Um, they held, they had, <coughs> they had, <coughs> sorry, church courts, things along those lines. If anybody ever was really mean to you, made you read the Scarlet Letter, you can understand kind of how Puritan New England worked. Um, because that was, that was a r relatively good example of how Puritan New England worked in terms of a sin in the camp and the way that they responded to that. And you can imagine in today's American church society, if you know, somebody did something similar to you know, what happened in the Scarlet Letter and then the church responded in the way that the church responded in that book, it would be a whole thing now. Like we, we, you know, People wouldn't put up with it. People wouldn't go through that. Uh, and I'm not going to pass judgment right or wrong. I'm just going to say that people would not, you know, deal with it that way. So anyway, the, 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 the Baptists were more or less outcasts from those groups, um, but they eventually grew into a sustaining denomination. Through the 1800s, um, we essentially became Southern Baptists. And so we continued to grow um, there was different copies of this, what we're studying now, the Baptist Faith and Message. Um, there was a 1925. It wasn't really updated um, until you get this, which was the 2000. Um, and so we haven't updated it since. So autonomous local congregation, what does that mean? What that means is that the congregation functions as its own unit. Now, we have chosen to associate with other churches, and so we... We participate with the, uh, the, um, the Baptist Association, Shelby Baptist Association. We participate with those other churches. So the way that works is that, that we give, uh, as a church, we give to the association. And so they do ministry and they do missions that maybe we couldn't do at the local church. So we had Brother Rick a few weeks ago come and share some of the things that they are doing and, you know, when you listen to somebody say all the things that association does, you're like, wow, they really are busy and they do a lot of things. Because he mentioned mission trips, he mentioned thrift stores, he mentioned um, the food pantry that they have, he mentioned the, the, the dental um, mobile center that they had that they came around and did dental work for people. And they have all kinds of things. That's, that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. They got a lot of things going on. And so we are involved in those things and support those things, even though maybe our church can't do some of those things. Um, and the general idea is an idea of cooperation. So if we were to need something, then either the association or the association might spearhead getting us assistance through some other church or what have you. And then sometimes we're going to be called on to be there and to help other churches. That's the way that, that is supposed to function. Well, then we are also associated with the National Southern Baptist Convention. And that is supposed to be an idea, but it is now a, um, a, a machine, I guess you would say, of people. Um, and so there's a meeting once a year, and it is a three, well, two and a half day business meeting. 
and I know that really fires everybody up and gets everybody excited, but that's basically what it is. Um, they go through reports, and so the Southern Baptist Convention has lots of entity, entities. We have seminaries. We have five different seminaries that, are, that we support. Um, we have, and, and the way we support those, essentially, we appoint presidents. Uh, we appoint trustees. Um, and then basically part of the donations from churches that, that goes into the fund that's called the cooperative program, we pay half of all the tuitions at the seminary. And so master's level work at a, a Southern Baptist seminary is going to cost about half what it might cost if you were in, in some secular uh, college getting master's level degrees. It, it would cost about half because basically the, the Southern Baptist Convention subsidizes that. Um, so we also have, a, we have two big mission arms. We have the North American Mission Board, which does everything just like it sounds like North American missions. Um, their primary focus right now is planting churches, but they do other things. Um, and then we have the International Mission Board, and their primary focus is sending missionaries and allowing them to work in different countries. And so our missionaries are fully funded. One of the reasons for the cooperative program from the very beginning was... Baptists have always been, kind of, not, no, that's not true. Baptists have, for the last 200 years or so, been mission-minded. Um, and so we wanted to go out and, and do missions. Well, what was happening was pretty much every Sunday, a, you know, a Baptist church is trying to have worship service and a missionary shows up and wants to tell the church about all the wonderful things they're doing and how the church can support them, uh, which means, can you give us money? Well, that began to be a little bit tiresome. Every time you have service, a missionary shows up. And so that was the point of the cooperative program was let's create a fund where all churches give, all participating churches give, and then that fund can employ, more or less, the missionaries so that they now have their salaries and, and their expenses and their needs taken care of. And so churches can do church, and then we can donate to the cooperative program, and then it goes from there. So... No church is required to do anything by the Southern Baptist Convention. That's just not the way that, that we are. Um, that explains a lot of the problems that we've had recently um, because something bad would happen at a local Southern Baptist church and people weren't satisfied with the way it was handled. <coughs> so then <coughs> they would go to a, a national level representative of the SBC typically the executive committee, but they might have went to other places. Well, they go there, they don't get satisfaction there because the executive committee was saying, hey, we can't tell churches what to do, which it's right here in our statement of faith that they actually can't, that we are autonomous, we, we rule ourselves. Um, all that the, the executive committee could do maybe was recommend that we stop fellowshipping with a, a, a church that has mishandled some situation. That's the best they could do. They're really cautious about doing that, and so that, that, that hesitation is basically where you've got your, your issue. So autonomous local congregation means that we rule ourselves. And so different Southern Baptist churches handle that differently. Um, this church is very democratic. Um, almost what you would call direct democracy. D direct democracy, everybody votes on everything. 
That's not exactly what we, we do have committees that do certain things. So we empower committees to do certain things, um, to spend certain amounts of money without coming to a business meeting. We have a budget that is written by a financial committee. And so those kinds of things get taken care of. And if it's in the budget and it's that time of year to do that sort of thing, we don't necessarily bring everything to a vote. Um, but any decisions that don't fall within if our bylaws tells us to do it, we don't vote on it. We just do what the bylaws tells us to do. If the, if the budget, and it's that time of year, if there's a budget line item for that, then we some, most of the time we won't vote unless it's something really big that's going to surprise everybody. Um, but let's say an air conditioner goes out. Well, we're not going to wait until we can have a called business meeting to vote on whether or not we want to replace the air conditioner. That's something that's going to be taken care of. And so those are the kinds of things that maybe we don't vote on. We tell the church that it happened, and we even tell the church what we had to pay because we're very transparent. But <coughs> at least to the extent that we vote on everything, that's, that would be a direct democracy. We don't actually do that. Um, but we do have a democratic process so people get to vote on things. So that is how we run. There are other churches, Southern Baptist churches, that function differently. Um, there are Southern Baptist churches that function by uh, elder rule. Um, this church doesn't do that, and I'm not necessarily a massive proponent of that, um, but th there are churches that do that. And so they, they have elders that make the decisions. They present to the church what's going to happen and things along those lines. Um, but they could still follow the Baptist model, um, at least to a certain extent, with that. Um, We'll wait a little bit before we talk about offices in, in the church. <coughs> of baptized, <coughs> sorry y'all, baptized believers. Um, that's another pretty Baptist statement. Um, Baptists believe in, in believer's baptism, simply put. We believe that you have to be baptized when you're a believer. And that's, that's where that other part comes in. And again, um, that goes back to your Anabaptist days. And at that time... Anabaptists were considered to be dangerous. There were people that had all kinds of teachings that weren't considered dangerous, but for whatever reason, the Anabaptists were considered dangerous. They were the outlaws. They were the rebels, um, and, and that kind of followed down through the years. Okay, so moving on. Associated by covenant in faith and fellowship of the gospel. So, <coughs> I'm sorry. These, these churches associate with one another by covenant, so by promise, by agreement, um, in the faith and fellowship of the gospel. And so we, are, we, we join together for reasons of worship, we join together for reasons of practice of our faith, and we join together for reasons of sharing and propagating the gospel across the world. That's the reasons that we would join together. Observing the two ordinances of Christ. So, I know that um, in the Catholic Church, they, they call them sacraments, and I think they have seven. Um, you've got you've, uh, what, baptism, um, which would happen as an infant. Um, I know marriage, the last rites, uh, the Lord's Supper, and there's a couple more that I'm not quite sure on right at this moment. Um, Baptists have... have only kept two of those things. Um, if you read the Bible, you don't really see last rites, and so we don't really do that. 
Um, we have the Lord's Supper and baptism as the, the, the ordinances. Um, we do marriage, um, but we don't consider it an ordinance. And so that's kind of the, the, the difference there. Um, so we, we, we practice the Lord's Supper. Um, there are Baptist churches that practice what they call open communion, which means anybody can come. Um, and there are Baptist churches that practice closed communion, meaning only um, members can, can participate. And that's each church's choice. Our church is open communion. Um, we believe that the ordinances are symbolic, um, meaning that they don't impart grace. So that was one of the hooks of the, of the, of the Catholic Church. Um, the ordinances are part of what saved you. And so if you didn't get along with the church, and you know sometimes that's difficult, but if you didn't get along with the church and you didn't get your ordinances from the church, you could never go to heaven. Well, we believe that they are symbolic. And so, in other words, a Southern Baptist, if you pushed a Southern Baptist on it, not that this is the way we want it to be, do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? We would say no, you don't have to. We would point to the example of the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross was dying. No way for him to get baptized. He asked Jesus to remember him in paradise, and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So we believe that you can be saved <coughs> without baptism, but we also believe that it is important. It is important as a symbol. It shows, and we've said this you know, so many times that maybe it loses its meaning, but, but here it is if you've never heard it before. It is an outward sign of an inward change. That's what we believe baptism is. It's declaring something that has already happened inside. I've already become a Christian. I've already been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've already experienced new life, and, and, and I will continue that new life for the rest of my earthly life. And so then when we baptize, that's exactly what we do. We, we get a confession of faith. It's part of the questions that I ask before I baptize is a confession of faith. We baptize the person, that's them being washed in the blood. That's them dying to their, old, to their sin. That is, them when, that is them being buried. And then when they raise up, we raise them up fast. I try to snatch people right out of the water because it's new life. And it is, it, is, it is bursting forth. And that's the picture. Just like Jesus burst forth from the tomb, the, the people that are baptized now burst forth into their new life. And they go and they walk in newness of life. So it is a symbol. It's a beautiful symbol. It's important. But that's what we believe it is. And the same thing with the Lord's Supper. The Catholic Church believed that when the priest actually prayed over the bread and the wine, it actually physically became the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We believe that it is a symbol. We believe that we're doing this in remembrance of Jesus. And so that's how we partake of the ordinances, the two ordinances of Christ. <coughs> Governed by his laws, um, we believe that the church should be ruled by Scripture. Um, and you might say, duh. Um, but again, not to, not to belabor the point, but the difference between the, the Catholic Church and, um, say, Southern Baptists, but with the Catholic Church, the Pope, um, I don't know if I want to spend all the time explaining this, but the Pope, let's just say he represents Jesus on earth. It's a misinterpretation of Matthew chapter 16, but essentially they believe that the Pope was a descendant or a successor to Peter. Now they believed um, that Peter had been given the keys of the kingdom, that whatever he loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven, whatever he bound up on earth would be bound up in heaven. So they believed that, that through Peter, salvation was given. Like he was the rock of the gospel, 
and that everything went through Peter. So then there was a lot of debate. There were wars fought, people died, but eventually the bishop of the Church of Rome became the Pope, <clears throat> the, 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 the vicar of Christ, they said. And so he actually gave out salvation, but also he spoke with the authority of God. When he sat in his throne, he has a throne, um, it was called ex cathedra. And so when he spoke from his throne, he was speaking the words of God. And so what that does is that puts another point of reference out there. So if you have the Bible and that's all you have, then that's how you practice. But if you have another point of reference out there, you've got to make them reconcile. You've got to make them harmonize and connect. Well, the loser in that is always the Bible. What the man says always wins out over what the Bible says. You don't want that point of reference. You want the scripture and the scripture only. And so that's how the church is supposed to be governed. Have Baptist churches in the past wrongly applied the laws of God? Wrongly interpreted the laws of God? Absolutely. We're just as human as anybody else is, but we don't put out another point of reference. <clears throat> so even at this, if I'm dealing with an issue within the church, like a theological issue, I don't say, but our statement of faith says. No, I say, but Scripture says. And, and that's how we deal with it. So we expect to deal with situations by the Word of God. <clears throat> Exercising gifts, rights, and privileges <clears throat> invested to them in the Word. So without, again, getting into the weeds, um, what this refers to is the gifts that are outlined in um, the, the Scriptures. And so among those are prophet, but that doesn't mean telling the future. That means proclaiming the Word of God. Uh, teacher, which is more or less what I do. Um, you, have, you have shepherd or pastor, which is also more or less what I do. You have deacon. Um, you have a whole lot of gifts that the title is going to be different in different situations, but administration, <clears throat> generosity, hospitality. The Bible lists a lot of different gifts, and those, those have um, corresponding positions that might have different titles in different churches, but we exercise those gifts. Rights and privileges, those are things that we believe that, that church members have, is certain rights, certain privileges. Those are going to be interpreted differently probably in every single Baptist church, but that's how it goes, invested in them by the Word of God. <coughs> and seeking to extend... <coughs> and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. So, yes, it is important that... And it matters that the, um, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, through their missionary wings, it matters that they are sending out missionaries, that they are planting churches. That matters. But that is not our complete ministry. We can't just say, well, we, we give money and it gets done. That is also a role and a function of the church itself. So our church has to be extending the gospel to the end of the earth. Every Southern Baptist church has to personally be extending the gospel in any way that they, that they can. They should be extending the gospel. So we have to understand it in those terms. So um, going on, um, it says seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. Each congregation operates under the lordship of Jesus Christ through democratic process. Um, 
And yes, we are democratic. I, I am teaching Athens right now in the schools, and so they had direct democracy. Everybody voted on everything, and it was chaos. And so that's why I'm saying we're not direct democracy, meaning everybody votes on everything. We would have to have people vote on every song that we sing. We'd have to have people vote on everything, and that's just chaos. We don't have that, but we do have a democratic process. So uh, just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So here's what we believe. Um, <coughs> okay, they don't say it in the statement, um, unless I get to it later, and then I'll just tell you that I've already covered that. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. You find that um, in, in the letter that, that Peter wrote, 1 Peter. Uh, we believe that each believer is a priest. And what that means is that we each have direct access to God. So the priest had access to God. The people came to the priest, made their sacrifices, or, 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 or got the priest to make the sacrifices for them in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we are taught that we are a priesthood of all, or, or we taught that all believers are part of the priesthood. So we all have direct access to God, meaning you can pray and you can pray directly to God. You don't have to go through anybody. Um, you know, if you want me to pray for you, I'll be glad to pray for you, but you have the same access that I do. That's what we believe. So when it comes to decisions, when it comes to voting and making decisions, we believe that each person with their access to God can then pray and can come to the decision so that when we gather together to vote, <coughs> to vote, you're amazing, thank you. When we gather together to vote, then we can make a decision that is under the lordship of Jesus Christ because we've all prayed about that and God has given us revelation. And so, not revelation, but at least leadership and guidance and so that we can make a, a choice based on those things. That's why we believe it like that. Um, there are other churches, obviously churches under a hierarchy. There may be certain things <coughs> that the church has to go above and beyond to, to get a decision. So let's say a church is looking at a crowding issue. We got too many people, we need more educational space. In churches with a hierarchy, that might be a situation where they have to go to a bishop or somebody above the church to make that decision because they may have to purchase land and then go through the whole process of building more space or what have you. That might would be a situation where they would have to go above. We don't do that way, we believe that we can make that decision and do it ourselves. We don't have to go call Brother Rick and say, hey, Brother Rick, you think it's okay for us to buy this land and, and do this thing? No, we don't do that. So, but that's, that's a different form of church governance, and so we believe uh, that we have the ability within the Lord to do those kinds of things. All right, in such a congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. If you're going to come into the church and you're going to vote, if you're going to come into the church and you're going to raise a motion, if you're going to come into church and you're going to do a ministry, you are accountable to Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. Um, and so everything that happens under the church is supposed to be kind of under the authority of the pastor, but ultimately your accountability is not even to me as much as it is to the Lord himself. And so, you know... I've been in enough churches to, to know that there were some folks making some motions that weren't under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we don't really just call people out when things like that happen, but, but you know, people tend to know that when it happens. Um, fights over petty things, Jesus is not in that. And so you can't say, well, you know, 
Jesus told me that the carpet needs to be green or whatever. You can't do any of that. Like, that's not what Jesus tells us. And so that's not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's being, you know, petty. And that's, that's being, you know, maybe selfish in some ways. But that's certainly not under the lordship of Jesus Christ. But that's, that's where we are. We are accountable to him. It's script, scriptural officers are pastors and deacons. <coughs> Okay, so just just settle. If you've been reading the things since the convention, while both men and women are gifted for service in church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. Okay, so churches have sometimes multiple pastors. Um, Everybody interprets all of that differently. The Bible doesn't really deal with, if you've got a senior pastor, see now churches have senior pastors, executive pastors, lead teaching pastors, they've got a a hundred different titles, so who's the pastor? Who is the pastor? Okay, so regardless of whatever any of those other people can be, Southern Baptists at least believe that the pastor, the senior pastor, or whatever you want to call him, that's got to be a man. That's, that's what Southern Baptists teach in, in this right here. Can youth minister be a lady? Can worship minister be a lady? Can, you know, all, all those other things. That's a debate, and I believe it should be a debate in each individual church. How do we see the Lord leading us? I do not, and the Southern Baptists have been okay about not doing it. I do not think we need to dictate from, you know, from a Baptist faith message standpoint or a convention standpoint that no, if your youth pastor is a lady, you are sinning. I don't think we should ever say that. I just, I think that that's each church and almost a case-by-case individual sort of thing. What this statement tells us is that that senior pastor needs to be a man. That, that's what this statement tells us. Um, honestly, uh, you get that from um, scripture where it talks about a, a, a pastor uh, being a husband of one wife. Um, you, you get that in the intentional male pronouns. Um, and, and then it also says uh, in another place, if any man seeks to be a pastor, he seeks an honorable calling. And so there are places where the Bible... It's almost like it wasn't even a thing to make it clear. Like, it's almost like the Bible just assumed you would always have men. Now, here's what I would say. And the reason I talk about, hey, you may have to fill positions. Otherwise, in all the churches I've been in, there have been more women that worked in the church than there were men. Every church I've ever been a part of. Growing up, um, churches that I went to in college just to see what was going on churches that I have served as either youth pastor or pastor, there's always been more women working than, than men. I can't totally explain that to you. I got opinions about it, but I'll keep those opinions to myself. But I will say there's been positions that if there had not have been a woman to step up and do that position, it would not have gotten done. Um, senior pastor is all that the Baptist faith and message clarifies. And I do believe that's pretty much all that scripture clarifies. And let me tell you why I think that, and, and you know, may burn me now, um, in the Bible, 
there is a lady named Phoebe who was a deaconess. Now, translation. Okay, so Phoebe could have been a servant because that's what the word means, servant. Or she could have been a deaconess. But the word deacon means servant. The official biblical office of deacon is not a leadership position, it is a service position. Um, I treat our deacons like deacons and like elders. So you'll never hear me say, hey, here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go through the deacons. If they say, yes, we support you, then we're going to come to a business meeting with it. Then we're going to get voted on, and then that's what we'll do. <clears throat> if it dies in the deacons meeting, so be it. It dies in the deacons meeting. I don't care what it is. If it dies there, then that's where it dies. If, if it comes through the deacons and then it gets voted down in the church, which I've not seen that happen, but it could, then that's where it dies. That is the way that, that, that I personally pastor. Not every pastor is going to do it that way. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that's my conviction of how I'm going to do it. So remember the difference between conviction and command? That's conviction. That's the way that I do it. So when we look at the office of deacon, it is servant. It was established in the book of Acts. Uh, in the book of Acts, you, you, you had the church just exploding. It was growing by leaps and bounds. Um, and, and there was a, and, and it was, um, uh, well, it was racial. Um, so what was happening was in the distribution of the food. If you remember in the early church, they had all things in common, meaning everybody gave everything and then they had everything in common. So everybody ate at the church every day because they had given all their things to the church. All their money, all their resources, they would given it to the church. Well, in the distribution of the food, widows that were Jewish were getting fed. Widows that were Gentile, but still Christian, were not always getting fed. And so this problem was brought to the apostles. <clears throat> and when it was brought to the apostles, what they said was, should we stop the ministry that we're doing, praying, preaching the gospel, so that we can go wait tables? And obviously the answer was no, and so they established the office of deacon which was a servant to make sure everybody was being equally served by the church. That is what the office of deacon is. Um, it, 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 it does more now. We ask more of our deacons than just making sure everybody gets served at eating meetings, but that's what the office of deacon is. That's why it's the deacons that help with the Lord's Supper, because they are serving, and that's, that's, what, they, that's what they do. That, is, that has always been part of it. And so... Those are the two offices that the Baptist Faith and Message prescribe for the, the, the local church. There are other positions, and there's all kinds of things. Um, I find it hard to believe that there were youth ministers in the, the first century church. I find it hard to believe that there were executive pastors in the first century church. I find it hard to believe that there were a lot of the things that we now have in the early church. And so it's hard to take what the Bible says about how the Bible designed it and, and, and apply it to megachurches. There was no such thing. There, there was no such thing, and there was never intended to be a such thing as a multi-campus, multi-site. That just wasn't a thing. The, the drive was to start a church wherever it was. Start a church, not clone a church or expand the horizons of one church. They were all supposed to be different congregations. That's just the way of it. The local church, that's a biblical thing. So anyway, those are the offices, those are the, the, the commands for the office. Um, we could go further, but we're not going to get in the weeds with it because that's the, the, the assignment is to teach about the faith and message, not everything that we've ever done. All right, so the New Testament, 
speaks also of the church as the body of Christ, which includes all of the redeemed of all the ages, believers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So what they're saying is that there are two ways that the Bible refers to the church. There is the local church, the local congregation. That, that's what we are. Uh, and then there's also all believers everywhere at all times. So sometimes when the Bible says the church, it means the local congregation. Sometimes it means all believers everywhere at all times. And so we have to understand that. There has always been a church. <clears throat> Even if when you read your history books and you say, wow, the church was really bad at that time, I wonder if anybody was saved. Yes, there were. God has always had people that are saved. It may not have been the leaders of churches. In fact, oftentimes it's not the leaders of churches that are the Christians. But the point is, there's always been believers. There's always been people. And, and believers are what the church is. The church is not the pastor. The church is not the deacons. The church is not any other position that the church has had to adopt. The church is the people. So you are the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. So we are the ones tasked with the mission to spread the gospel. We are the ones who live together, being accountable to the Lord. We are the ones who <coughs> help lead the church by seeking the will of God. And we are part of that long legacy of believers who have lived and suffered and died for Christ throughout the centuries and are going to continue to do that until Jesus returns. That is what the church is. So, are there questions about this? I, I know some of this is different than, than maybe what you might have heard or some things that maybe it just never explored. So, are there questions? Okay. All right. Always do it. Criticisms? Too long? All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the time to gather together here again, and I thank you for helping us to see um, what we believe about the church. I pray that you help us, <clears throat> as always, to remember what your word says is what we should be. It's just that simple. We don't need to complicate things. We don't need to Add moving parts where there are no moving parts. We simply need to be what you have called us to be. And I pray that you help us to always be faithful to that. Not to a Baptist faith and message or any other statement of faith crafted by men, but let us be faithful to your own word. Thank you for that, Lord. We, again, want to lift up Eden. Just pray that you would be with her. Whatever it is that was the urgent need, we pray that that is, is met and it is met quickly. We know, Lord, that you are... Uh, already involved and active in that and we just pray that you will uh, work in that little girl's life uh, encourage her family lift up their spirits because it's incredibly painful to see your children suffer but I pray that you would give them the strength to go through this and I know that you already have be with us as we go our separate ways father we just pray for a blessing of strength and just the ability to be lights um, in, in our sphere of influence wherever we go the next few days let us be a light. Let us share the gospel any way possible because we do know that's part of our mission. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.